Well, good morning. That was lame. Uh, good morning. That's slightly better. Well, this morning, I am so glad to be back with you guys. It has. It's been a couple years. It is such a joy to be back with you guys. Um, I love to ask this. Everything he said was true. I've done all that stuff. But this is one of my favorite experiences where I get to just be myself, kind of unplugged and real and uh, share some things I've never shared before and and do that. And it's just going to be a, a great morning. But I love to do this. I love anytime I'm in a situation like this where I'm coming back, but it's new and a lot of you are probably guests. How many of you before this moment have never seen me before in your entire life? Raise your hands real quick. That is so awesome because I've never seen you before either. So we're on the same page. And this morning, I, I got to say that this morning, I want all of us to have a, a moment. And what I'm going to share this morning, I really believe those moments are going to exist. I call them uh, Mama Mia moments because my, my wife loved the, the Mama Mia movie and the ABBA songs and all that. And I had to do a little bit of background. I'm like, what does that mean? So I met some friends that were actually from Italy. And I'm like, what is that? And I said, well, Mama Mia is like when you have an event or an experience or a gift that's just, it's kind of their version of going, wow. But it's bigger than just wow in the moment. It's like life-changing moment. It's mama mia. It's just, it's huge. And some of the truth I'm going to share today around Mother's Day is going to be one of those moments. I, I, I'll give you an example of one of those moments where I thought, wow, I know that's not right. So we were a part of a couples class when we first got married, and a couple of the couples had started having children. And one of the couples was in this class, and they just had their first child. And somebody asked the dad, what are you doing for her for Mother's Day? And he actually said, she's not my mother. <laughs> I was like, mama mia. Do not say that. That is not what you're going to want to say. So it's, it's moments, not just negative like that, but even bigger. So I want to ask this. How many of you moms, I want you to raise your hand with the number of children you have. If you're a mom and you're here today, number of children you have, raise your hand with that. That's awesome. Very, very cool. Now, I've got a quick question for you. Those of you who have more than one child, why? <laughs> why would you do that? You know what's coming. You know the heartache and the pain and all that that's going to be once they get here. But even before that, you know the nine months of, of weight gain and water retention and pain and sleepless nights. And my wife says, why do they call it morning sickness? I have it all day. And you know that's coming. And you know there's going to be that day of massively horrendous pain. Why would you do that? Well, I believe that you are hardwired to have a glimpse and that experience is the glimpse that God himself had. And if, if you're here this morning, and it appears like most of you are, <laughs> and you thought, well, you know, what, what does God think? What is God like? I believe that this is one of the greatest experiences of seeing a glimpse of who God is. Because if you've, if you've been to church more than once, chances are you've been at Easter at least once. And that's kind of the idea of God becoming a man, and it says that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, that was Jesus, and then he endured one of the greatest beatings of all time and one of the most gruesome deaths of all time by hanging on a cross, and yet it says at the, towards the end of the Bible in a book called Hebrews, it says that, but for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross, the joy 
There was nothing joyful about what he went through, but it was what was after that. And it's the glimpse that we get as of a mom that almost that instantaneous loss of any of the pain because of the joy of what is here and what is ahead. And I believe that that's a glimpse of what that is. Now, I also believe that when moms get pregnant, they go to mom school. Because every mother in the history of time basically says the same things in different languages, but they basically say them, and if you doubt me, I want you to answer these for me. The first one would be this, keep your elbows off the table. Don't frown or your face will freeze that way or stay that way. That's mom school. Now, Marcus, one of the, the pastors here, he shared last night at dinner, he says, my mom said this all the time. She goes, this is going to hurt me. Yes, my mom said that too, and I'm like, okay, well, let's just skip it this time then. And uh, It's just one of those where we don't comprehend it. Now, I will say this, there are three gifts, if you will, that I believe within those gifts are going to be these moments, and I would just take it, encourage you, whichever one hits you, take that one and open that gift. The first is a gift from mom. My mother shared this phrase several times when I was growing up. And it was one of those mama mia moments for me. And it was simply this. If you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. That changed my life. Literally, my passion in life, because I learned that from my mom, was to encourage. And there's a beautiful verse in the book of Ephesians. It was a letter that was written to some of the early church, those who early followed Christ. And it says this, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. But what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. Another translation of that one says, let no unwholesome word come out of your mouth, but only that which is good for those who hear it, that it may meet their need in the moment. I realize that 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 is so critical. Now, we've probably heard this phrase growing up, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. I disagree. Words can devastate us. There's a power in words. And moms, when you say a word to us, it goes straight to our hearts. And there's a power in not only what we say, but how we say it. And I've gotten to this point where I'm like, you know what? Words are important. My wife is a language arts teacher. She took, I don't know, about 18 years off when we had kids, but she's back teaching again. And words are very important. I'll never forget when our our boys, they're now in college But when they were four and five, she would just decree certain phrases and words that we're going to be nice, be nice and say things nice. And she decreed that the word stupid was off limits. You do not, I'm tired of you saying that word. You just, it, it is the S word in our house. Stupid. You do not say it. Now, my daughter, she, she got around it in the sense that she's a little bit younger than the boys. She'd be like, we, she'd sit in her car seat in the back. We do not say stupid. Stupid is a bad word. We never say stupid. And she would just, she'd get around, because she's a girl. They know how to get around the, the rules. But my boys, they were four and five, and we're at dinner one night, and they knew the rule. And she said, if you say that word, you will go to the bathroom, and you will wash your mouth out with soap. So they took it very seriously. And one night we're at dinner and Heather is telling me this very involved story about something at school and both my boys just went, and dropped their forks. And she goes, what's wrong? They said, mom, you said the S word. (laughs) And she went, you're right, I did. And 
And she wants to be a good example. She says, so what happens is you've got to wash your mouth out with soap. She said, you're right, and she gets up, and we have this little half bath off of our kitchen, and she starts walking there, and I know what she's going to do. She's going to go in there, and she's going to turn the water and go, ah, oh, ah, and turn the water off and come back. So as she got halfway there, I said, hey, you guys going to want to go watch? And she turned around. There would be no procreation that night. I'm just saying that. But actions speak louder than words. We teach them this. There's another one my, my wife used to, my, not my wife, my mom used to say this all the time. Actions speak louder than words. Again, it changed my life. There's a, a great verse in the book of James, the, and, and he writes it this way, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. I got to go off on a little bit of a tangent here and tell you that I believe we live in a world and a society that says if I read it and I agree with it, then I know it. And here's the deal, we don't. We can agree with something. We do not believe what we say. We don't believe what we agree or argue or articulate. We believe what we do. That's what we believe. And in that sense, what he's saying here simply, actions speak louder than words. I, I may be one who sits here on a Sunday and go, ooh, that sounds good, I agree with that. That doesn't mean I do it. I may even try it and it works, but that doesn't mean I know it. I've got to get to the point where I do what I know is right, even if nobody else does it. I've got to do what I know that God wants me to do, and, and that tells him I believe that you are saying this for my good to protect me, to provide, to give me significance in this life, I believe. I believe what you're telling me is true. Now, I'd say this, if we're, if we're honest in every situation, especially with moms, we'd probably be dead. And I, and I mean that this way because my mom would say phrases, she would say all those phrases we just talked about, but she would ask questions did your mom ever ask a question you knew she didn't want an answer to? My mom would get so frustrated because we would not do what she told us to all the time. She'd be like, I told you to clean your room. And I'm like, I did last month. I cleaned my room. No, she wants it to be done all the time. And it would frustrate her. And she would say this all the time. Do you people think I am talking to hear myself talk? And if we're honest, we'd be like, well, yeah, nobody else is listening to you. So, I mean, we would, we would die. But the truth is, is that they, they, they want that for our good. Now, I will say this. We need to get to the point where I, I, I'm a dad and, and I don't just correct my kids. I, I've learned the process of you teach them what to do, then you train them, do it with them, and then you correct them. But my youngest son, he's been with us about a year and a half now. He's 12 years old. We adopted this young man, and he's just a great kid. But he's got to learn this concept of doing, be a doer of what you know is right. And right now, the issue is his shoes. He does not tie his shoes. And it drives me insane. I'm like, dude, you're going to trip. You're going to fall. Tie your shoes. I know, Dad. I'm like, no, you don't. They're, they're not tied. Well, I tied them, but they come untied. I said, well, double tie them. I do. And I'm like, 
if you did, they wouldn't be untied. I said, let me show you. And I'll get on my hands and knees. I'm like, here's how you do it. I know, Dad. I know how to do it. I'm like, obviously you don't or you would do it. And, and I tie them and I tied one. I said, here, you tie the other one. We'll tie them together and we tie them. And he walks an hour later, the other one's undone. Mine's still tied. And he's like, I know, I know. I'm like, no, you don't. Because if you knew, you would do. That's the way it works. And I know that God does not get frustrated with us. He is ultimately patient. But what he longs for us to do is to take his truth because it's for our good and do it. And he's patient and he's waiting and he's longing to show us how to do it. He'll do it with us, but he longs for us to do that. That is a mama mia moment, a gift from my mom that changed everything. And I want to share the second gift is more for mom. And really, if we're honest, it's for all of us, but specifically for moms, because I know from watching my mom and my wife that there's an intrinsic part of you as mothers. The mother's creed, and my, mom, my wife lives by it, worry early and beat the rush. <laughs> I think it was either Irma Bombeck or Carol Burnett that put it this way. She said, if you want to know what it's like to be a mother, pull your heart out of your chest and let it walk around. It just, there's something about you and there's something to that world of just anguish and worry. And, and I, I don't know your situation, but I do know that either it's hoping that they will have and be fulfilled and be happy or hoping that they will turn back to what is best for them. And, and I don't know what it is, but I do know this. The first gift is this, trust the truth. Not just know it, but trust it. There's something about trusting the truth because it says this in John chapter eight. It's, it's one of the gospels. This is one of the guys that hung out with Jesus and he put it this way very simply. He says, and you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. If we want freedom in any area of our life, freedom from worry, freedom from frustration, if we want freedom, it's gonna come from trusting the truth. Jesus himself said that. And, and in that, I would encourage us to take it this way because I've discovered this in my life personally. I've made more mistakes as a father and as a husband, as a friend than probably all of you combined. And I'm not exaggerating. But here's the deal. The more I take in the truth, the more I look at this truth and the more I read it, the more I see that, okay, that that's just right. And the more I do it, it more becomes part of me and flows through me just in the way I live and who I am. Now, I would say this, if you're somebody here today and you're just like, I'm checking God out, um, I believe there is a God, or maybe you don't, or whatever, wherever you are on the spectrum, I would encourage you to consider this. The truth is true whether I believe it or not. It's like gravity, whether I believe it or trust it or not, it's there. And in that sense, I've got to come to a point where I'm with God and where I accept him. Now, I can be near him, next to him, seeking him, but do I know him personally to where I trust what he says? There's a difference between knowing about and knowing. I'll give you a quick example. My, my son's big, big fans of sports, and they were down for the kickoff, the ESPN, I'm trying to think of what they call that, the, the game day. And I had done an event and gotten to know Kirk Herbstreet. And Kirk and I hung out for dinner and we talked and he's got boys and there and I was talking to him. Well, they went down to the kickoff when it was in Atlanta and they watched game day. And as the guys were walking off stage, 
my boys were there like, hey, how's it going? They're getting high fives. And, and my oldest son said, hey, Kirk, I think, I think you might know my dad. And Kirk stopped and he went, oh, my word, you look just like your dad. And he does. And he says, we, we did this event down in Florida. And he said, tell him I said, hey. And my son instantly called me, dad, he knows you. He knows who you are. And I'm like, I told you that. And he goes, no, but he knows you. See, there's a difference between knowing about somebody and knowing them. And that's the difference between knowing about God and knowing him. Because then his truth starts to become empowered and real. And for those of you who are moms and or parents, the more we take the truth and ingest it, it changes us. Because I learned this phrase, and here's a gift. The gift that I've, I've opened, and I believe it with all my heart. More will be caught than will ever be taught. And I've learned this over and over from my boys by being honest with them about my struggles, being honest with them about what I'm trying to apply and learn, and just living that. And the best example I can give of it is uh, about a year ago, I was invited to speak at the school where my boys went and graduated and my wife teaches. And the headmaster there had said, hey, I've heard you speak corporately. And you do an amazing talk that is inspirational, motivational. Will you come do that for our staff to kick off our year? It's just our staff before school. And I said, man, I'd be honored. I mean, this guy is one of the greatest leaders I've ever met. And if he asked me to do anything, I'm doing it. So I said, yes. And I, I go and it came my time. And, and Dr. Tilly gets up and he says, um, we are in for a treat today. He says, Ken has been all over the country. And he said the accolades. He said, but I'm not going to introduce Ken today. I have a special guest to introduce Ken. And I'm sitting there on the front row going, who is going to introduce me? And from behind the curtain walks my oldest son. And he walks out on the stage and he had notes and I've kept the notes, but he put them in his pocket immediately. He said, it is an honor for me to be back with you. He says, I've had several of you as teachers and I'm, I'm just glad to be here, but I am so thankful that I get to introduce one of the greatest men I've ever met. He says, I have seen what it means to be a man because of my dad. I've seen what it means to walk into a situation and not compromise because I've seen my dad in that situation. I've seen what it means to stand up for what is right when everybody else is doing what is wrong because I've seen my dad do that firsthand. I know what it means to love a woman because I've seen him love my mom. I know this because I've had a front row seat. Please welcome my dad. I got up, I'm like, you want me to speak after that? <laughs> I said, we can go home right now. And I'm, I'm just telling you, I, I, I cannot one time remember sitting down with my kids going, let's have a Bible study. Probably should have, but I didn't. But through life, just being honest and real, and just trusting the truth personally and going, you know what, here's where I'm struggling. And I still to this day share them. And they ask me now, Dad, what's going on? How can I help? What do we need to do? Not only trust the truth, that is one amazing gift, but there's a second gift for moms, and that is walk. And, and there's this word, and I learned this word 
and it's different than and mo, it's different. It, it sets walking. It sets Jesus apart from every other religion. And unfortunately, a lot of Christians walk in the three-letter word, not the four-letter word. The three-letter word is, look what Jesus did for you. He died on a cross to forgive our sins. He sent his Holy Spirit to live in us if we accept him, to give us powers. Look what he did for you. What are you going to do for him? And that's nowhere in the Bible. And here's the problem. I learned this three-letter word at a whole new level about two years ago. I think during this month, November, two years ago, I was supposed to be here, and it was, on the f- it was the only month I've ever done in 28 years where I had to cancel events because of what happened. I'd had a test, and I'm not going to tell the whole story right now. I'll come back and do that another time. It's amazing what I took from it, but I just want to get to the one word. I had done a couple tests. A friend of mine's a doctor. They ran some tests, and, and immediately after a stress test put me in the hospital, I felt fine just a little tired, and uh, the test revealed after they did a cath scan that um, I had major blockage. All four of my major arteries in my heart were over 99% blocked. Now, I don't know if you're good with math, but there's not a lot of room after 99%. And, and they said, we're, we're going to put you in. You've got to have emergency quadruple bypass open heart surgery. And I went from working out 30 hours later, I'm laying on a table having open heart surgery. And um, for those of you who are, a couple of you are looking concerned, I'll go ahead and spoil the ending for you, even for the next time I made it. Okay, so <laughs> it's okay. But I'll never forget the recovery time. And I remember the doctor telling me, he said, this is the thoracic surgeon, Ken, I opened you up. I have no idea how your heart was beating. He says, it was so much, but I've never seen a heart in that bad of shape. And I'm like, yeah, and he, and he told me this in the consult after. He says, well, man, you're in great shape. Other than your heart, you're in fantastic shape. <laughs> and I literally looked at the thoracic surgeon and I said, uh, Dr. Myung, that may be the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And he was like, <laughs> he looked offended. And I'm like, seriously, if that doesn't work, none of the rest of it matters. And he's like, well, you got a point. And, but through that in the recovery, I, I, I realized this, this four-letter word. And it's to walk with Jesus, not near him, not for him, with him. And I would just encourage you and I to take this to heart. This has become one of my favorite verses in Isaiah 41.10. This is before Jesus came to earth. It's God himself. And he says this to us as a consideration. He says, fear not for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. He's talking to those who have chosen to accept his relationship with him. Those who were following him, and they were in dismay. And he's like, don't fear. You chose me, I'm choosing you. We're together. And it is a big decision. It is a relationship. This is what sets it apart. No other religion in the world does God come down as a man. Does God himself commit to those who commit to him like a marriage? How many of you have ever been to a wedding at any point in your life? Anybody? Nobody's been to a wedding. Okay. It's a big deal. You stand and you pledge and you go, I'm all in and I've got a ring and we're together. We're with each other. 
That's the width that he wants us to experience. And it's a simple decision of our heart and our will to be with him. And as I walk through that part, there's another great verse. Psalm 34 has become one of my favorite psalms. As I sat in recovering from my open heart surgery, it says, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them from them all. And I'm like, Lord, I don't know why you spared me, but I'm all in. And Jesus didn't mix words when he came. He says, in this world, you will have trouble. Be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. And I want to do this life with you, with you. And he says this, and in Psalm 118 has become one of my other favorites. He says, the Lord is by my side. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can men do to me? I can tell you this. I've walked through the valley of the shadow of death. My heart was stopped for four hours and I'm still here. And when you walk through that, you really get a perspective of life. And all I realize, what I realize most is that God is with me in this. And I I take that in, in great joy. And when I was going through that, this is just one of my favorites. A friend of mine, I'll call him Rod, because that's his name. And uh, <laughs> Rod was talking to his wife about me having open heart surgery. And Marie, their little, their little four-year-old, came up. And she is very astute. We'd, we go to the beach. They have a beach house near ours. And, and she came in. She said, Daddy, is, did Mr., is Mr. Ken okay? And he says, well, you know, they're having the surgery, but it looks like it went well. And she goes, did he fall out? And he's like, did, did he fall out of bed? What do you mean? No, no, did Jesus fall out? And he's like, what do you mean? She, well, he had open heart surgery. Did Jesus fall out of his heart? And he said, well, if he did, they put him back in and they sewed him in there, so it's okay. <laughs> And that is a metaphor, but it is a beautiful example of it. The core of my being, the center of my life, he's with me, period. He's with me because I've invited him in and, it, and, and he makes it very clear. He was, has the son, has life. He who does not have the son of God does not have life. I write this to you so that you can know that you have life. That, that last piece I want to share is the last gift, not from mom or for mom, but actually to mom. Let me ask you this. How many of you, last time I asked you to raise your hands, at some point in your life, at any point in life, how many of you have had a mom? Raise your hand. Okay. Some of you did not raise your hands. Are you test tube babies? How does that work? I want to see you afterwards. But if you haven't gotten mom a gift, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to consider one of these because this is so true. And as the band comes to wrap us up in in. Third John, it's at the end of the New Testament. It's another book written about after Jesus has come. It says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in the truth. You want to give your, your mother a present? I did this for my mom this year. I asked her, I said, Mom, what do you want for Mother's Day? She goes, I, I don't need anything. I said, but what do you want? She goes, I want you to pressure wash my driveway and my sidewalk. So this week I went and I pressure washed her sidewalk and her driveway, but... I see this verse, and in a card, I want to encourage you, look at this truth, and any truth in here, I wrote, I'm writing to my mom, mom, I know what it means to be loyal, because I've seen you be loyal. There's a verse that says, weep with those who weep, and rejoice with those who rejoice. 
mom, I do that. And I see the value in it because I saw you do it. I walk in that. That's what I do because of you. You want to give your mom joy at a level that no gift can. Share that with them. Those who walk in the truth. In John 14, 6, it said, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus said that. He says, all I want to do is give you life and hope. In the second part of John 10, 10, later in that book, it says, Jesus said, I have come that you would have life and that they may have it more abundantly. In other words, God wants us to experience life to the absolute fullest, but we have to choose that because it is love. Love cannot exist without a choice, and he offers it to us. I don't know which one of those moments hit you this morning, which one of those gifts, but I pray, my hope is that you and I would take them to heart because the question I have for us to ponder at the end, are you getting all you need to live this life to the fullest? It's in those moments, those mama mia moments. Wow, take one with you. Can I pray for us? And then we'll wrap up. Father, thank you. Thank you for moms. Thank you that you created it this way so that we would have a tangible person in our world that believes in us no matter how much of a knucklehead we are that they believe, they see in our total failure, they see promise. And Lord, I thank you for that. It's a glimpse of how you see us. And Lord, I do pray that if anybody doesn't know you personally, they would realize it's just that simple of going, okay, I wanna know you. And I wanna know you personally. And I'm all in. So Father, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for the opportunity to just come and gather and rejoice over our moms. And it's in the name of Jesus and the power that raised him from the dead that lives in us that believe that we pray. Amen. Thanks for letting me share with you guys. Thank you, Ken.